Thank you, Mike. Do you, which chips do you mean? Okay, crisps. Okay, making sure because we know that chips mean several things to British people. Good morning. My name is Brock. Welcome to Our Lords. We are looking forward to the next several weeks looking at a new series on mission, values, and vision. And if you see, you have a hard copy where you're sitting. Maybe you're sitting on it right now and you didn't know it. That crispy noise, the crisp paper. If you don't have a copy, you can find one at one of these stool stations here, here where the offering often is, here or by the doors, and we have more than enough for everyone. So who, who still needs one? Anybody need one? Okay, if you will help make that happen, that would be great. We have some stacks right here at the front. Maybe some of you can help make sure. Hold your hand up if you do not have one. And these are only $5, so we'll be making note of who didn't have one so that we can get $5 from you. That's a bad joke, all right? This is what my kids call bad dad jokes. I seem to have that gifting, bad dad jokes. If you will take this at the end of today and just fold it up and put it in your notebook or your Bible so that we don't have to keep reprinting them, that would be really good. You can save the planet. Right? You can save your notes and save the planet. So bring, uh, bring those for the next few weeks. That would be good. What I'm going to do today is introduce the mission statement and discuss the particular aspect of formation. And then I'm going to highlight some of the practical vision statements that flow out of this because God is stirring something deeply within us as a church, individually, collectively, as a leadership team, as a staff, really, really good things are going on. I'm not sure I can even describe what's happening in me. The last few weeks, I was having lunch with Wallace this week. We were having tacos, and I, I don't even know if I can articulate, but man, it is a return to that first love, Revelation 2-4, just Jesus saying to me, are you ready again? Are you ready to rediscover who I am and all that I have in my heart for you and for the church? And so it's fun at 49 to, to sense that, a sense of anticipation, the love of God hitting my heart in new ways. And just as Brad was saying this morning, I surrender. I am fully in. I am fully devoted, and I want to take my kids in. I want to go for it as a family. So it is a lot of fun to, to think about that as we look at this mission statement and some of the dimensions of that. Before we do this, though, a little bit of um, house cleaning here. I want to apologize for something I said last Sunday. Um, we had the kids in here, and I thought they were gone. And so I was sharing the story of that woman from Iran, the Persian woman who came to Jesus. And I mentioned a couple of words that were a little heavy for kids. And so I apologize for that. Okay, I'm going to be more mindful and aware, and I just want to say how grateful I am for our parents. I would not have known that had a few people not said, hey, do you mind uh, being more careful? So I welcome that. Our leaders welcome that. Uh, do we do this perfectly? No. So we are growing. I am growing by the week, and so I welcome any feedback, any input, and so we'll be, we'll be aware when the kids are in here, all right? So you forgive me, parents in there? 
You can throw your shoe at me later if you don't, but I do apologize. And I think it's a beautiful story, but I mentioned a couple of words that were too heavy for kids. All right. So this morning, I want us to do three things. I want to look at particular elements of our new mission statement. So you can look at that there. You can see on the first page, I'm going to read the mission statement, and then we're going to focus on the part of formation in Christ, and then Brad will look at worship next week, and then we'll have Easter, and then Mike Milner will come back the following week and look at mission in particular. So I'm just giving a broad overview, focusing on the formation piece here. And then I want to share a couple of statements, vision that flows out of this. And I'm actually going to have Amanda come up at the end and and share a few of those. So why are we doing this? A couple of reasons. One, I want us to think about building a sustainable church. The kind of church that we can think our kids, their kids, their kids, have this deeply rooted in their hearts. And it doesn't matter if leaders come or go for various reasons. We, every day's a gift, isn't it, church? So we don't even know health reasons. If you build a church around a particular person, it's a problem. So what we are doing as a leadership team is we want to empower you. The healthiest, strongest, most sustainable church is an empowered church. And as a leadership team, we are not interested in gathering an audience. We want to mobilize an army. Let me say that again. We do not want to gather an audience. No matter how good the worship might be or the teaching or ministry time, we want to mobilize an army. And that is what we sense from God. That is what all of this is about, is for you to discover your gifts. How is the Holy Spirit going to manifest the presence of Jesus in your life? That is the driving mission here. You know what? Some people might not be comfortable with that, and that is okay. Some people might say, you know what? I'm at a stage in life where I'd like to come and hear some good Bible teaching and go home. That is not what we're doing, friends. We are going to be weaponized lovers of God. And we are going for it. We are going to give ourselves to this for the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years, 15, 20 years. And so if you want to go with us, we're inviting you. Come be a mobilized army and utilize your gifts. Does that sound good? So that really is the spirit behind what we're doing this morning. Building a church that's sustainable and mobilizing an army. On that note, let's read here the mission statement there on that first page. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Why don't we say that together, all right? We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. And you can see there's three aspects to this mission here, worship, formation, and mission, but they flow out of what? What's the first word there? We are a community, and we'll come to that in a minute. So everything that we do flows out of this idea, this reality that we are a community. We're interconnected. We're the body of Christ. We're the family of God. We'll talk about that. But in worship here, Brad's going to talk about this, but we've got these little statements to kind of unpack it a little bit. It's almost layer by layer. So we've got our mission statement, 
but then we have layer by layer what that means, and then you can see the scriptures there. This is all rooted in scripture. We're not inventing anything new. This is what the church has been doing for 2,000 years. And so what we do as leaders is we say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to this local church? Jesus, you are building the church, so why don't you give us some specifics for this season? There's nothing new. We're not here to dazzle anyone. We want it to be memorable, pithy, succinct, and then it's going to lead us. Jesus is going to help us do these things. So worship, we make space to encounter God's active presence together. And you'll see on the fourth page here, you can go and look at it later, but all of these verses are laid out. So you can go home and and look at these things. The second here, and this is where we'll spend most of our time today, is formation. And by that we mean we pursue a life of friendship with God and formation in Christ through spiritual practices. Again, I'll unpack that in a few minutes. And then mission. Mike will talk about this. We are equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be on mission with Jesus wherever we go. So those are the three things, church, that we are going to give ourselves to like never before. And thankfully, as Brad was reminding us this morning, G-R-A-C-E, grace. The grace of God is behind all of this. The grace of God is what energizes, empowers us, helps us get out of bed and do it again, helps us shake off guilt and shame, helps us say, ah, I blew it this week. Well, the grace of God is there to help us accomplish these things. So we do this by the grace of God for the glory of God. The mission tagline there. Again, we're looking for ways to say this, and this is for our own identity, but it's also for new people. So someone that wants to to visit our Lord's and they realize we'll be doing, we'll be encountering God in worship, pursuing formation in Christ and joining him on mission. I'm very tempted at this moment, the teacher in me, who has questions? We'll, We'll do that later. If you look at the values here, there's nothing new here. We're actually... Uh, restating the values that have been a part of the fabric of our Lord's for years. And so what we're doing here is in continuity with the past, and yet we're saying it in a way that gives us some freshness for, for the future where we're going. You can see we've got worship, family, spirit and truth, kingdom. You can go back and look at these. I just want to highlight three quickly here. And that is the second one, family. And it says, we do life together as a family, loving and honoring one another. And I just want to highlight a couple of things. Amanda and I were talking about this the last few days, and we experienced this as new people to our Lords two years ago. I guess we had been here almost six months, and we were in a really, really tough time And Tyler and Hillary Glaze brought us food, really good food, and demonstrated love and support, told us they were praying for us, and we'll never forget that. And so that was an introduction for us on a whole nother level of what it's like to be part of family at our Lord's. And so that's contagious, isn't it? Amanda and I want to pay that forward. We want to say, hey, who... Who's going through a tough time, and how can we help them in a very practical way? Yes, we'll pray for you, but who needs food? Who may need a gift card? Things like that. So our Lord's is excellent at this value, and there's more for us to do. 
Jesus wants to, to grow us in that. On this note of family there, the second value, we are enthused about a new approach to groups. And this is another area where I will own this. Um, we need work in our groups. And it's another area where I humble myself before you and say, I, I don't want to just do groups, C groups or D groups or whatever. I want it to be meaningful and I want it to empower our people and I want it to be sustainable. And there are times where I've just not done a very good job of that. So I've sought out vision and help and instruction from other people. And thankfully, the Evanston Vineyard in Chicago has walked that same road. And their church of a thousand people was in a really rough spot. Their groups weren't working very well. So they sought someone, a leader, a pastor to come in and help them and they've revamped it and retooled it and reconfigured it in a very simple way and it's changed the church. And so we are looking to a sister church like that and saying thank you, thank you for that. So we've got some materials that we're using and behind the scenes we are preparing some things that are really exciting. Right, and I know some of you are thinking the way I would, oh, another bandwagon. Um, yippee, let's do small groups another way. I just want to tell you, though, there's something fresh about this, something very simple, something accessible, and it's going to do two things for us. One is it's going to create more opportunities for community, friendship, and growth, maybe like we haven't had in a season. And the second thing, it's going to help us raise up new leaders and take care of existing leaders. And we've watched this in Evanston Vineyard and heard stories and they've pointed to other examples. So I am personally really enthused about this because I think it's part of, it fits with what God's doing, mobilizing an army. And so our groups are gonna be a part of that. C groups will be a part of it, but we'll have numerous other groups based on what's in your heart utilizing your gifts, you'll be able to step forward and say, hey, I'd like to do a, a group on Philippians. I'd like to do a group on spiritual gifts. I'd like to do a cooking group where we invite people and we actually cook for 10 to 12 weeks, work on recipes, all of it we're going to be doing and it's gonna put us on the same page. How does that sound? Sound okay? Quickly here, spirit and truth, the next value. Just want to reiterate that this statement says we are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we live according to the scriptures. We're going to get into this. We value New Testament Christianity. Again, it's nothing new, nothing novel or dazzling. We want to do what scripture says. And when we do that, when we align ourselves with it, and we don't just study it and learn about it and memorize it, but we actually say, hmm, I think I'm going to do the works of Jesus. I'm going to obey his words and do his works. A church is energized and the Lord moves powerfully. So we are saying again, we're waving that flag. We are a church that values doing and hearing the word and we're spirit and truth people. Amen? The last thing here, kingdom. We've been looking at this for several weeks, but the idea that we partner with the Lord Jesus as he brings his kingdom to the earth we are rediscovering the priesthood of all believers, 1 Peter 2.9. Another way to say that is everyone gets to play. I just want to remind you a little bit, in recent weeks, recent days, just listen to some of the things that demonstrate everyone gets to play. 
Everyone has a part to play. Ronnie Ladd talked to us about bringing the kingdom to a basketball court. And thankfully, he'll do that because some of us would bring the opposite kingdom to the basketball court. Chaos. So Ronnie was talking to us about mentoring, and it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, whatever sphere the kingdom of God comes to you and through you. So Ronnie talked about the kingdom coming while he's playing basketball. And then the Lord touching young men and giving him an opportunity to mentor. That's one. Philip Suarez at work with his men's group, and we were talking about that again this morning. He doesn't have to come up with a 20-point plan to do kingdom business. He was telling me this morning, he emails guys, they read the Bible together, they pray, they've got some guys coming that maybe you wouldn't even expect would be there. That's what we're talking about, the kingdom of God. We could go on and on. Kay Davis and her army on the streets and at Walmart praying for people. Megan Hartman, Jack Kilman at their schools. God is on the move. And so we want to do everything we can to say, you're carrying the kingdom. How can we help you? How can we serve you? How can we empower you? How can you be further mobilized? And how can you take other people with you? So... You can look at those values in greater detail. I want to focus on formation here because some of you on that first page, the second aspect of formation, you may be saying, what is formation? And so I have a slide up there. We're going to talk about formation along three lines. What is it? What are some examples in Scripture? And then Brock, how in the world do we practice it? How do we engage in formation? First, formation, simply put, is being formed in Christ-likeness. Being formed in Christ-likeness. What's wonderful about this is we don't have to grit our teeth and say, I want to be like Jesus. I've got to be like Christ, and it's going to be duty, and I'm going to grit my teeth. God wants this more than we do. The Father is committed to forming Christ in each of us more than we could ever aspire to. What good news is that? Isaiah 30, 18 says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. We could say, the Father longs to see Christ formed in you. Hearing that just melts my heart. Oh, Father, you're more committed to this than I am. So I can get up each day and think you are forming the Lord Jesus in me, and I'm grateful. Look in your Bibles at 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, which I'm encouraging everyone old school to bring your Bible, an army with swords with them, if you don't have a Bible or you don't want to put it, use it on your phone, you can look on page three of the handout here. And I've got it midway through the page, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. And this passage right here, these few verses talk about being formed in Christ-likeness. And what we're going to see, listen to me here, this is not just something that you check off a list or that you buy a good series on Christian formation or spiritual formation, this flows out of relationship with God and relationship with one another. How does formation happen? The Father's committed to it. 
the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit say, enter into relationship with us and Christ will be formed in you. And this passage beautifully illustrates that. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18, the Apostle Paul says this, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I don't know what your next verse here, but mine says, and all of us, not some of us, but all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord, as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. So when we talk about formation, it's the work of the Holy Trinity. The Father is committed to it. The Son is committed to it. The Holy Spirit who indwells us is making it happen. And Paul is saying, how does that happen? All of us, all Christians, get to see what? The glory of the Lord. That is the heart of Christian formation, is you get to see the glory of the Lord. And Paul is saying here, as though reflected in a mirror. And so there's something about it. We don't get full revelation, full vision of it until Christ returns. And 1 John 3 talks about that. But in the meantime, friends, we get to look upon the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Think about that. This is not a drudgery. Oh, I've, I get to have my devotions tomorrow and I get to have a relationship with a book and I get to check it off the list and I feel good about myself. Now, no, 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 no. This is an invitation. As much as you want, you can have. How much of the glory of God do you want to see and experience? Then you might say, well, how do I do that? Well, Paul makes it clear. We see the glory of God like he did in the face of Jesus. What happened to him in Acts 9? He got knocked off his horse because he saw the glory of God in the face of a person, Jesus. And so Paul is reflecting back on that moment and he's saying, I saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus and it rewired me. It reoriented my whole life. And he's saying, church at Corinth, that's what you get to experience, you too can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And some people might say, well, that's kind of mystical, or Paul's making it clear in this passage that you see the glory of God in the face of Jesus through him, encountering him, but through Scripture. How do you see the glory of God? Give yourself to the Word of God, to Scripture. And what happens as you open it, the living Word himself will come to you and you get to encounter him and see him, and you do this week after week, month after month, year after year, and you catch glimpses of his glory. And he dwells within you and within me. It is a glorious thing. You're not reaching out saying, I've got to find this God somewhere in the distant cosmos. No, God comes to us. He says, I've given you scripture. I indwell you. Now gaze upon my glory. And as you do that, you grow in Christ's likeness. Another thing that I would add to that, when we grow in Christ's likeness, we grow in, write this down, fruits, gifts, and wisdom. I learned this from 
Mike Bickle about 25 years ago. I loved it. I said, I'm going to use that. When we're growing in Christ-likeness, we grow in the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the wisdom of the Spirit. The fruits, are the, it's the character of Jesus. And that's what we're after more than anything, right? Because if we get that and the character of Jesus begins to be formed in us, love, patience, peace, kindness, these things begin to manifest in us. Everything else flows out of that. So the fruits, the character of Christ in Galatians 5, 22 talks about that. And then secondly, the gifts, the power of Christ, the power of Jesus begins to form and take shape in us. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 talks about that. This week, um, we bought Mia a used car because she's 16 now, and I'm going to cry. My baby is driving, and of course, what happened in the first week, her battery went dead. And so being the mechanic that I'm not, I had to go and buy a battery and look at the videos, okay, a 2011 Subaru, how in the world do I do this? And as I was doing it, I felt the Lord whispering to me, I'm giving you a new battery. I'm giving our Lords a new battery. For those who want a new battery, it's time for new batteries. And so as I was like, wow, this went from absolute dread and not knowing what I'm going to do and probably blowing up the car and cooking myself and everything. Whoa, Lord, you're, you're speaking through this moment. So I'll take a new battery. Anybody else want a new battery? I will take one. Yes. And so I'm exchanging my old rusty AA battery, two inches long, rusty, little corrosion on it. And I'm saying I will take the new lithium ion battery that you're going to give to me one that charges a thousand times more quickly. I gotta get this right, because Wallace is looking at me. And it's got 5,000 times the power. I want a new battery. And I would like to see a new battery situated in the heart of the church, the power of Christ being formed in us. And then lastly, I mentioned the wisdom, the mind of Jesus. And there's so many passages, I have to just kind of rein it in. But 1 Corinthians 2.16 talks about the mind of Christ. Paul looks at the church, Corinth, which is a wreck. The church is a dysfunctional church. And he says, you know what, church? If you will live out union with Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells you. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're being given the mind of Christ. So the Father is committed to seeing the mind of Christ and all that that means formed in each of us. And I'm in. Lord, I want new batteries. I want the mind of Christ, the power of Christ, the character of Christ. We were, uh, Amanda and I again, we like to talk. And she saves my bacon on a weekly basis. And I was asking her, can, can you think of some examples of formation? And we both began to talk about the same person. And uh, this friend of ours that we've known for many years, she was a power lifter and an alcoholic and a fighter. And this woman became a Christian and she went through deliverance and inner healing and she was mentored by 
some older Christians. She studied the Bible, and she began to grow in Christ-likeness. Christ was being formed in this woman. And yes, you did hear right. She was a powerlifter and a fighter. And early on, there were some challenging moments. And I remember one night getting a phone call. My family did because we were connected with this person. And this woman had been in a road rage fight on the street late at night with two men. And so we had to get her and bring her home. And she was embarrassed and humiliated. But that incident right there, fighting two men who were tailgating her, don't tailgate each other, um, spurred her on. And it became a turning point in her life. And so at that point, she quit drinking, she quit fighting. And so Amanda and I and others were watching Christ be formed in her. And she has become a kingdom warrior and missionary for Jesus. And so when Christ is formed in us, it changes us. It makes us into who we're created to be. This woman was not created to be angry, street fighting, pumping iron, punching faces. She was created to be a kingdom warrior and a disciple maker. And she's touched hundreds and hundreds of lives and thousands, I would say, because she's given herself to making disciples. And so the Lord will take the least likely and form himself in them. You never know who you're interacting with. You have the opportunity to pray for someone, mentor someone on the basketball court, and you don't know what God might have planned for that person. So we give ourselves to this. Again, I mentioned all of this formation flows out of friendship with the Lord Jesus. One verse here quickly, and then we'll move on to how how we do this. And this would be under the biblical examples. Galatians 4.19 is the touchstone passage here. Look at Galatians 4.19. And it's on that handout, page 3 at the bottom of the page. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the church at Galatia. And he's melding two, he's bringing two metaphors together. Listen to what he says. My little children, for whom I am again in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So Paul is looking at the community, the church at Galatia, and he's saying, I so want to see you come to full maturity in Jesus that it's as if I feel like I'm a mother in labor giving birth to you. Paul's gripped with this. It's possessed his being. It's all I think about. It's all I pray about. I encounter Jesus, and now I want to see him formed in all of you. And he was a madman. He was all over Asia Minor. They couldn't stop him. He wanted to see Christ formed, and he had that maternal passion inside of him and compassion. But then what does he say? The metaphor flips, and he turns to the church and says what? Christ is being formed in you. So what I want you to think about, this is the essence of formation. Put your hand over your heart. Christ is being formed in you. And God's more committed to that. Christ himself has taken residence in you. If you are a follower of Jesus, and I would urge you, if you're not, become one. Get baptized. 
get connected to a local church, you're always welcome here, and Christ will be formed in you, and it's a lifelong project that flows out of friendship. And I heard uh, someone talking about Ruth and Smokey, who are not spring chickens. They have been around for a while, and they came up for prayer last week, and they said, we want more. We want more. You're in your 80s, your 90s. Christ is still being formed in you. Do you want more today? I do. I want more. I'm 49 and I feel nine in some ways. Christ, would you be formed in me? Some of these old patterns of thinking, the way that I act toward other people, the secret place, I want Christ formed in me. Please do it, Lord. Show me how to cooperate with grace. Lastly here, how do we practice formation? We're going to wrap up and we're actually going to do some prophetic ministry this morning. But how do we practice formation? Acts 2.42 is the verse for us. We've looked at this passage and we'll look at it time and time again. It's in the context of Pentecost, so the Holy Spirit is poured out. And you know what the church does? It's like a dam breaks and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is poured out like never before on all people and the church begins to irrigate. What's the essence of irrigation? You dig channels. You store up water. And so the church in Acts 2.42 says the Holy Spirit is poured out and this is how we irrigate. This is how we cooperate with the Holy Spirit and we have channels dug in our hearts and our lives and we are storing up reservoirs of the Holy Spirit and how do they do it? The practices of the early church, these four things, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. We'll be looking at this over and over again. I just want to make a comment about each one, the apostles' teaching. What is this? It is all that Jesus taught and did. Matthew 28, 20 and Acts 1, 1. What is the apostles' teaching? It's all that he did and taught. So we're going to give ourselves to it like the early church did. And really, it's the revelation of Jesus. That's what the apostles' teaching is. These apostles said, we love him, we've encountered his love, and now we're going to teach the churches about it. So we are going to give ourselves to the apostles' teaching, the revelation of Jesus. The second thing here, as formation, as Christ is formed in us, this thing called koinonia. Let's say that, koinonia. Koinonia, those geeky people at our Lord's using Greek language here. Fellowship. This is one of those words that is kind of like a Mardell magnet. We're kind of familiar with it, but it's so rich. Koinonia, what is it? It flows out of the very being of God. God is koinonia. This is what separates us from Islam. Allah is one alone, solitude, cosmic ruler of the universe. The Christian God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that exists in koinonia. So God exists as fellowship and invites us into fellowship and then his fellowship flows in and through the church it basically says we're relational beings we hunger for this and so the church practices that the set, the third thing here is breaking of bread this is table fellowship 
in the early church when they did this, they would share a meal, but then they would link it with the Eucharist and thanksgiving, giving of thanks. And so we, church, are going to practice the breaking of bread. And lastly here, last but not least, prayer. And some versions say prayers. And this is just seen in the life of Jesus. He was a man of prayer, a person of prayer. And so were other people in Scripture. Daniel prayed three times a day. King David talks about seven times a day I pray to you and I praise you. So we want to follow this pattern of being people of prayer. There are other spiritual practices we'll be looking at, but I want us to think in terms of giving ourselves to formation, having Christ formed in us with new vigor, realizing the Father wants to do this. Amanda, would you come up, please? We're going to read on the vision page here, three, four, seven, and nine. And I will let Brad and Mike read theirs because these flow out of our three aspects of our mission. And I thought it would be good to hear someone else. And as we do this, please don't tune out. You know what we're doing? We're declaring God is going to do this among us. And we get to partner with Jesus. So as Amanda reads this, in your mind, in your heart, say, we're going to do that. God's going to help us do that and much more. So, Amanda. Okay, number three. We will help form mature friends of God who multiply themselves through discipleship and spiritual formation. Number four. We will publish books and materials that facilitate spiritual growth, educate regarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and equip the saints for leadership and ministry. Number seven, we will be a training center where Christians are equipped in theology, spirituality, and leadership in order to do kingdom ministry inside and outside the church. And number nine, we will be a spiritual family that raises up young people who know Jesus and make him known through the fruits, gifts, and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we do ask for your help to do these things. We can't do it without you, God. Would you do it in us, God? Fill us. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to move through us and in us, God. about 10 minutes here, so I'm going to ask the folks that I had spoken with about coming up, and we're going to do some prophetic ministry. Again, take this, please, and fold it up. Put it in your Bible or your notebook. We look forward to hearing Brad talk about worship. Kathleen's coming up, so Kelly, Mike, Kathleen.